You know what? 1974, the Kiki B-Band release, I Got the Music in Me. And then when I hear this music, I got the music in me. You know why? Because it's 1046. It's September 9th. I'm Guy Zombie. Join this week by Dan Nathan. Today's episode of S1046 is brought to you by our presenting sponsors, FactSet. Financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. You know that an open exchange because they manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. We're going to hit a macro call, a couple single stock research calls. We're going to go one for the road with our boy, Mr. Butters. All in 14 minutes, Dan. How are you today? I'm doing great, guy. It's NFL day, baby. It launches. How are your G-men going to do this year? 2021. Uh, I got them 11 and 6 in a 17-game season. But that's not why we're here. We'll talk about that at another time. Uh, I love this research call, Dan Nathan. Can you walk me through it? Because a lot of interesting things happening here. I happen to agree with a lot of what all these banks are saying. Yeah, you know, you and I talked about it last week on At 1046. We were talking about these these GDP cuts that are coming for Q3 here. And we know that back in Q2, I think most of the street was looking for high single-digit percentage gains in GDP. So those are coming down pretty hard. Goldman cuts its uh, Q3 GDP for the second time in, in just a few months. We know that Morgan Stanley's been doing the same. But I think really as it relates to the stock market, we've seen Morgan Stanley downgrade you equities to underweight um, and global stocks to equal weight. They're seizing outsized risk to growth um, through October. And then Citigroup, this one really got me, Guy. Um, They say longs of the S&P 500 are outnumbering shorts by nearly 10 to 1. Um, You know, they're calling for a small uh, correction that could be amplified by forced liquidations. What does that all mean to you? Is it kind of scary? It's September. We know we head into October. Some weird things happen in the markets in October, Guy. Look, for Morgan Stanley to make this call, and they've done it before, I mean, there's career risks associated with being negative on things. I mean, if you're positive uh, and things go down, well, you know what? Everybody's positive. Everybody was in the same boat. But when you're negative and if things go up against you, that's tremendous career risk. So I respect all of these calls. The Citigroup call, to your point, Dan, is spot on because now you got everybody on one side of the boat effectively. You know what happens when everybody gets on one side of the boat? that boat starts to list. And then what happens? Everybody starts to run to the other side of the boat and the exact opposite happens. It goes the other way. And forced liquidation in this environment with as extended as we are, taking us to our first chart suggests, you know what? Maybe we are at the top end of this range. You look at the S&P chart. Thank you, by the way, for the folks at FactSet for these charts. You drew the trend line. We're in this very defined uptrend line. You could easily draw a channel there. We tested the 50-day moving average a month and a half, two months ago. We bounced off it. We're at the top end of the channel. 200-day moving average comes in. You see it. What are your thoughts, Dan? Because I know what my thoughts are. Well, it's interesting. That resistance level, it goes all the way back to that high in September 2nd, 2020. We know what happened when the market topped out there. Some of the similar sort of characteristics were playing out in the market in August 2020. And we saw the S&P go down about 20% in three weeks. The S&P, or the NASDAQ went down about 14%. And then it actually made a double bottom low um, in October prior to the election. But look at that resistance. We just kind of got rejected there. We didn't draw a support line. You know why? 
high because you see that 50-day moving average, that purple line. You know, obviously you've seen the index breach that, but it's really served as good support. And that 200-day all the way down there actually corresponds with the double bottom low all the way back in May um, in the S&P 500. So to me, yes, I think a correction is coming. I don't see the risk reward of adding new capital to the broad market right here because the broad market guy is five stocks that are keeping the S&P 500 elevated. You know what they are. They make up nearly 25% of the weight of the S&P 500, nearly $10 trillion in market cap. That would be the F-Mega complex. We haven't seen the 200-day moving average since I think last summer, if memory serves. Obviously, we have tested the 50-day. Next time, I don't think we're going to be as kind with the bounce, but we will see. Takes us to the volatility index, which has been Look, I mean, what can you say? Every rally or every bounce in the, in the VIX has been sold off aggressively. And here we are now. I mean, if this was a stock, then you'd be saying we're making a series of lower highs and effectively lower lows. But something's got to give here. And the complacency into the fall to me is a little bit scary. Saw the VIX traded with a 15 handle. We obviously bounced through the 18 level. What are your thoughts here? I know you can't necessarily chart it, but I know you have some thoughts on it. Yeah, I'll just say this. I think it speaks to that data point from Citigroup that uh, longs in the S&P 500 are outnumbering shorts by nearly 10 to 1. I mean, that's what that VIX looks like, right? It's back towards pre-pandemic levels. I think it got as low as 15 last week. It's picking up a little bit. I mean, I don't love charting the VIX, but you just see it from a sentiment standpoint that the highs, we're seeing declining highs, right? The little volatility pops are getting smaller and smaller and we're above uh, below that 200-day moving average. So to me, yeah, it's like a coiled spring, in my opinion here, and it's not going to take much. We know that we have that Fed meeting in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about this. Have the Fed painted themselves in a quarter yes. um, as it relates? Oh, oh, as it relates to inflation, because if we have stagflation, they still kind of have to kind of take their pedal off the metal as it relates to QE rates start going higher. I know that the 10 years at one, three, three, it hasn't made a ton of ground here, but who knows that could be the thing that rattles equity. Markets. Remember in the movie top gun, when they were sitting around and they talked about taking the picture of the yes. MIG and then, yeah. you know, we were inverted and they said, bullshit. Remember that whole scene? Yeah. Well, you want to see, you know what this is, this part are prices. You know what this part is? This part is growth. You got prices going higher. You got growth going lower. And that is not bullshit. Anyway, I like what you did here. You know, when I took cursive writing back in elementary school, the Mm. most difficult letter for me was the letter Q for a number of different reasons. It's one of these things. To write three Qs in cursive was, I'm I'm so happy I wasn't doing this. But here we are, triple Qs, Dan. You drew the uptrend line. Uh, I think we're going to test this sucker extraordinarily shortly. Yeah. I mean, listen, if we test it, it'll be because Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet and Facebook decide to take a little bit of a pause here. Apple has their um, meeting next week where they're going to announce their new iPhones. I know you are all geeked up about that. You are already already queuing up for the iPhone 13. But, you know, maybe we'll see a sell in the news and maybe that causes some of the other big names um, to come in. If you break that uptrend, maybe you get back to that 200 day. All right, guys, that's the macro call. You and I think we yes. test those uptrends. We break them October, late September, early October because of stagflation worries. That's the thing that rattles the markets. Let's do a single stock call from Morgan Stanley. They downgraded Cisco this morning. Listen, I, I'm going to 
I know what you're going to say here. There's really nothing fundamental. If only they're downgrading on valuation, that's just not, that's not doing it for you. The stock's up 30% of the year. It still trades well below a market multiple. Earnings and sales growth are expected to be mid to high single digits. Um, not bad for a stock trading 16, 17 times or so. Um, maybe they're just kind of doing a little bit of a trade here. Um, you know, this one to me, it's fine. You know, there's 15 buys in the stock. There's basically 15 holds um, on it. The street's pretty mixed on it. What's your take? They raised their price target, though, on the back of this. I think their prior price mm-hmm. target was 57. They raised it to 59. I think the average price target is a little north of 60 bucks. They reported earnings a couple of weeks ago. I said on the show that night that earnings call was not enough to get it through this prior high that we saw a few years ago. And you know what? I was dead wrong because the stock did rally in the ensuing days, but maybe that was a false breakout. And you have a pretty steep up channel here. Yes, you're right. Is Morgan, is Cisco expensive? No, it's not. But you don't really have any growth. There are better places to be. You get through this uptrend line, Dan, and I think you very quickly moved to the downside. So you had a lot of analysts got somewhat geeked up on the back of that earnings release. A lot of the guys and gals said, you know what? Cisco doesn't have the same supply chain risks that other companies have. I get it. You can make a call on valuation, but you know what? You don't have really the earnings worth to back it up. So although I like this call, I would have liked Morgan Stanley, watch the word I'm going to be more vociferous, vociferous in their negative call. All they did was downgrade it to raise their price target. That's sort of playing both ends. That's saying, you know what? Both ends of the fence. Go out there and make a call. Make a call, Dan well, Nathan. They did which us to, well, hold ahead, on, hold ahead, on. They did downgrade the stock. You were just saying earlier about career risk, about being negative. So I got to give them some credit there. And I would just say this, is that consolidation back in June and July in the kind of mid to low 50s, if you see the stock back down there on a valuation basis, if it were to come down there with a broad market sell-off that you, bo- you and I both think is going to happen, right? That's where you probably reload on this name. And you'd probably agree with me on that. I like you getting exercised. Now, this is an aggressive call. This Morgan Stanley now downgrading a bunch of big cap pharma names, J&J, Amgen, and Merck, all to equal weight from overweight. Uh, Fundamentals are in place. Stocks may struggle to move higher. That's probably true. Listen, J&J has been on a rocket ship. Merck has been sort of nowhere. If you look at it, sort of been mired in this range. And Amgen, well, you know what? Major double top. We're going to look at them. I happen to... I don't agree with this call, but I like this call. Why do I like this call? Because they're putting it out there. Good for Morgan Stanley on this one, as opposed to the Cisco call, which is wishy and washy at the same time, Dan Nathan. Yeah, let's look at Amgen because this one really caught my eye. We decided to use a five-year chart because you see that it's obviously been in this range over the last, I don't know, year or so here. And it just broke that uptrend from uh, the 2019 lows. And I think that's important here because the stock is really kind of in no man's land. You can go back and you can look at last summer's highs, which are not too far below here. And maybe you see some support. If you like the valuation, you like some things in the pipeline, you like the potential maybe for some tucking M&A, um, maybe those are the levels in which you buy it. But again, I, you know, I know that you're generally pretty positively disposed to this group. That This one, though, Guy, if we look at Johnson & Johnson, also on a five-year basis, that breakout 
last year of that really long consolidation is pretty mm-hmm. interesting. We did see a sell-off earlier this year. Um, you know, we know that this is a COVID vaccine play. It's really sitting right on that uptrend. It might be just a bit below it. Is that an important level to you on the long-term chart? Let's take a look at that J&J chart because I do think this is one. Obviously, I've liked J&J for a while. They got themselves in trouble. Remember the talcum powder, all those different things. The stock yeah. ran into some difficulties, but it reaccelerated to the upside. Very steep uptrend. We're about to break. I would say J&J is the most interesting of these three because it's the most diversified. When they bought Pfizer's consumer products business, I want to say now 13 or so years ago, they basically stole it. It gives them three very distinct categories. I think valuation is reasonable. But you know what? You got to give uh, Morgan Stanley kudos on this call as well because they're downgrading it at the top end of the range. So I like what they did here. The next one we have to look at, though, I think, is Merck. We talked about it in this channel. I don't know if that's a hungry crocodile or something, but it is this little flag situation where we're going to do one (laughs) or two things. We're either going to break out to the upside and test the all-time highs, or we're going to break through this downtrend line. Given what's going on, it's pretty fair to assume that maybe the downside is more vulnerable. Uh, the downside will probably give you four or five dollars of room if it's so we break here. Dan, thoughts? Yeah, I love these sorts of patterns, too, because depending upon what your fundamental view is, you're probably going to have a bit more time for this thing to grind and kind of work into the point of that triangle. And then you have a bit of a coiled spring, the expression that I used um, before. It might if you're bullish, you know what I mean? You play for a catalyst. It breaks out above that. Um, that's your trade. Obviously, playing for a breakdown um, is another one. I think that that low, though, um, from last year is probably a bit excessive, especially when you consider the valuation on this one here. Um, listen, I know we're racing up against the top of the hour here, guys. So let's do it fast, we should move man. on. We should move on. I'll just make one last point, though. The XLV, the Healthcare Select ETF, that's up 20% or so in line with the market. Those three names are all really underperforming the market. So there is some strength in pharma. They might have just picked on some fundamental names um, that are, are not acting pretty uh, or too well here. All right. This is right in your wheelhouse. This is John Butters. He is the earnings, is back. He, he is the earnings. He earnings insight. He drops every Friday from Fact Set. He gives us a little bit of a preview on Thursdays for at ten forty six. We appreciate that. This is this is like got your name all over ESG. You are guy ESG Adami. Talk to me mm. about it. I like to see ESG ENG responsible investing. One hundred and fifty yeah. companies discuss ENG ESG on the earnings call. One thing that I've said, Dan. And we're going to look at a chart here. One thing that I've said for years, seemingly now, since ESG became a thing, was the one existential risk to Facebook is exactly Ooh. that. If they, Why did you say, ooh? ooh. You wait, I you mean, because it's, it, it's just not a name. I mean, look at, look at what Butters is telling us. The industrials, I, 29, financials, 28, had the highest number of S&P 500 companies. It's just kind of interesting to throw a tech name. Do, do tell why you think that an um, a existential risk to the Facebook story is not regulation, well, but it is with, if it files under through, the auspices. It's 11 a.m. Oh, we got to ring the bell. I'm sorry. If you got a meeting, stick with us. Listen, I've said for a long, I hate everything about Facebook, but if they were to fall under the auspices, not another nice word, of ESG investing, that's going to be problematic for them. And quite frankly, given everything that's gone on over the last couple of years, that could be the risk. Take a look at the Facebook chart, if we may here quickly. Uh, Look, stock's been on autopilot to the upside. On valuation, it's cheap. They got through when when advertisers fled from them, like that poem by Sir Thomas Wyatt, didn't matter. Nobody leaves the platform seemingly, but guess what? If all of a sudden somebody gets a bug about this ESG and Facebook and start to connect the dots, 
that could be the existential risk. So I love what Mr. Butters did there. I love the fact that you provided me with this Facebook chart there, Nathan, because yeah. you're inside my head. Well done by you. Yeah, I'll just say one thing. If you talk to analysts about who the advertisers are on Facebook, they're really made up of small businesses. And that's the one reason why I would say that maybe your call that it could fall under the auspices is maybe not the thing that hits the stock, right? So if you know big investing pools, we're not going to buy the stock because of that. That's one thing. But you just might not see you know the advertisers flee because they don't have the same sort of pressure that large brands brands do. And I think you're talking about June 2020 when there was that kind of blackout on advertising. So it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out just on Facebook. Obviously, it's a bit extended here. A pullback to that um, uptrend could easily happen at any point. And then you'll see everyone, you know what they do, guy, they BTD. What does that stand for? That means buy the dip. And, you know, yeah. thank you, John. Mr. Butter's got me all geeked. I'm all geeked up in general. <laughs> yeah. NFL season starts, got the yeah. Giants on Sunday. My Yankees have fallen on hard times, but I don't want to bore you folks. Let's summarize this thing because that's what we do. Take a look at what we've talked about. Dan, if you may, you want to just sort of break it down for me? Yeah, I think that the you know the the chorus of calls for a correction in the stock market have hit bulge bracket banks, and I think that's important. Some people would say that's actually pretty bullish, right? When you see that sort of sentiment happen, when all those those big banks are telling their clients that they see a correction and it just the market won't go down, that's one thing. I do think it's interesting that Morgan Stanley downgrades a name that trades well below market multiple just on valuation. To me, um, you know, not a great call, but but they're putting themselves out there. You laid out the fundamental case, I think, for um, uh, some of these big pharma names. And I think that the three that Morgan Stanley downgraded, they've been underperforming the broad market here. And ESG, keep an eye on it. It seems like this is a thing that is going to continue to come um, early and often as it relates to some of these um, controversial sectors. Who knows if social media names will fall into that? How's that for a summary, guy? I love, it's a great summary. I love that city call. Just to wrap it up, I love that city call saying 10 to 1, but basically bulls out weighing the bears. And if you do see a soft, it could be exacerbated by exactly that. I also want to point out that in one of our slides, you saw the average price target for Cisco was $60 colon 16 Oof. cents. You didn't think I caught that, but I did. I remember everything. Should have been a period, Amanda. That's a that's a check against you on that one. But you did an amazing job, as did our friends at FactSet and Open Exchange, which means it's that time, Dan. I want to thank our presenting sponsors, FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. And of course, our friends at Open Exchange, they manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. Dan, say what you got to say on the way out. When am I going to see you next, by the way? I'm going to see you tonight on Fast Money, 5 o'clock Eastern on CNBC, Guy Adami. And then you and I are going to just be texting like a furious couple dudes all weekend long with college football, NFL, and maybe your Yankees can pick. Maybe your Yankees can pick it up. All right, guys, thanks for joining us at 1046. It's always our pleasure. Thanks, Fact Set. Thanks, Open Exchange. Guy, I'll see you later, bud. Later.